The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Welcome to uh, Trouble Tuesdays, the night I spend answering your questions. So between now and 11 p.m., if you have a question about sex, relationships, uh, you want to talk something out, then uh, tonight's uh, your night to get those questions answered. You can send them to me by email, laurie at drlaurie.com. You could text me right here, right now at 514-800 or call in at 514-790-0800. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, uh, it's Bell Let's Talk Day, so um, do your texting, your Instagram, make sure you hashtag Bell Let's Talk, and tomorrow we're going to have a special panel of uh, mental health professionals to help you through, and we're going to take a look at um, the impact of mental illness on relationships, uh, on uh, with children, uh, with your uh, partner, coping with that, and hopefully answer some of your questions with our panelists. All right, there's some questions left over from last night and some comments as well. Uh, First text says, if I get turned on by being spanked or slapped, does it come from being spanked in childhood? That's a great question, simply because when it comes to any fetish or anything that uh, we like, often a fetish like to an inanimate object or, or, or an action like this, for example, like some form of BDSM, we often wonder, like, where did that come from? How come this is something that I'm attracted to? How come this is something that turns me on so much? And we don't have clear answers, unfortunately, to the why. What we know in some cases is that an action or an object gets paired early on. That's one hypothesis. Gets paired with uh, sexual arousal. And then that can develop into a fetish or seeking out. So, for example, um, I remember uh, a client, for example, who uh, used to love the feel of his mother's, uh, when he was just a little boy, the feel of his mother's um, stockings when he would sit on her lap or whatever. They were silky. And then the mother happened to, uh, the mother passed away and the child went looking in her drawers for the hosiery that the mother wore and was very comforted by this because it reminded him of his mother. So he took the the hose in in bed with him and uh, for years that was like a, a kind of a transitional object, a comforting thing. But as he got older and started to uh, reach puberty and get erections and such, that object became fetishized. It became something that uh, he attached to um, arousal because it was soothing at the same time as he had an erection. And so later on, he developed um, this fetish of either uh, of wanting to wear um, hose and pantyhose and all of that. So in that case, it was kind of much easier to find out what the underlying kind of trigger was or, or if, you know, what the, the factor was that was connected to that. But in the case of being spanked or slapped, I wouldn't say that just because you were spanked in childhood, you're going to develop an arousal to this. If you consider generations 
where spanking was the norm, they're not all, they don't all fetishize spanking. So something else goes on with that. And we just don't know what that something else is. Is it somebody's wiring is different? Like we just don't have those, uh, those clear, uh, scientific answers just yet. Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. Texting on behalf of two female friends who are at the 50-year mark. The people they are meeting online rarely turn out to be the way they present themselves. Oh, I hear this all the time. Uh, are there any cook and date events for their age range as it would be face-to-face during a learning experience? It might be a great way to get to know a person. You're absolutely right. And we had uh, Christina on from Cook and Date last night. We gave away some uh, some tickets to the events. So yes, they have events for the uh, 50 plus, 35 plus, uh, 45 plus. Uh, they are going on all the time. So if you want to find out where they are, go to cookanddate.com, cookanddate.com, and you'll certainly find it there. As to meeting online rarely turn out the way they present themselves, it's kind of sad. You hear that quite a bit, although I've known a few people who have met and married people they met online who were uh, truthful. But I don't understand how people don't get this, that if you're not being honest online and then you meet, do you actually think you're going to get a second date it, when once the person knows you clearly lied on, on your profile? Like how do you develop trust in that? It just makes no sense. And to me, it's the same thing if you put a a picture that's extremely photoshopped, for example, with all kinds of filters, and it's it's nothing of how you look like in real life. Um, I just think it's dishonest. It just lacks uh, some integrity. I get it that you think that you this is a good way to catch people. you know, showing that side or, or, or pretending you're someone else or saying something that you're not. But in the end, that doesn't help you in any way. It always reminds me of people who consistently like will fake orgasm. That doesn't help them because if they're, they're not going to get with their partner, if they're always faking it, their partner thinks everything is cool and, uh, and it's not. And so how is that going to change? And how is that going to help them in the end? I'm not sure why the parallel is there, but I just made it. What can you do? Um, another texter, my ex left and abandoned her girls, uh, 12 and 14. Uh, she went from mother of the year with a great job to not talking to her girls in over three years and a 40 K a year, less job tattoos and teen like behavior all for a guy she met who is unemployed and troubled with the law. People make choices without thinking long-term. I have since moved on. Stable new girlfriend and girls are stable, not blaming themselves anymore. That is a sad situation. This was in response to what are some of the extremes people will do to keep a guy or get a guy or a girl. Um, and this was, I think, in, in response to that. Well, um, very sad. Sounds like a... a a lot, you know, a lost soul <laughs> in, in that respect for sure. Uh, there's no more romance. Women always choose the wrong guys and they always get burnt and you know what? They deserve it. In response again to, we were talking about this last night where since the whole, um, <clears throat> you know, me too movement and all of that and, um, people interpreting like big romantic gestures as kind of creepy, especially if you're not, 
if it's not uh, reciprocated, if the feelings aren't reciprocated and somebody makes this grand gesture without checking first to see if they feel the same way, uh, then it's not going to be taken the same way. So this is in response to that, I believe. So, um, I, I, you know, you say women always choose the wrong guys, like all women always choose the wrong guys. Uh, that isn't what happens to all women. Some women choose the wrong guys. Some guys choose the wrong women. Um, but there are other issues going on <clears throat> for why we choose uh, certain people. And it's... Uh, much more complex in terms of why we make the choices we we make. And that's why therapy is often a very good place to start if you uh, are noticing patterns. Like if you're a person who seems to always choose the wrong uh, the wrong partner for a relationship or you see the same things happening over and over again, start asking yourself the question, what is it about me that I make these choices? And until you can uh, work that through and figure it out, you'll continue often to make the wrong uh, choices. So sometimes that um, doing that, that bit of self-exploration can be life-changing. Uh, so think about that. Relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Trouble Tuesdays tonight. Remember, you can always text in at 514-800. You can email me at lori at drlori.com as well. Uh, Texter writes, I have more success with women when I'm a pig as opposed to a gentleman. Women prefer the fun of a womanizer as opposed to being... A respectful gentleman, gentleman, sorry, but that's the truth. You know, again, that that's quite a generalization. I think that uh, for the most part, if you ask women, they're not going to tell you that they like pigs, that if you act like a pig, that's what, uh, you know, that's what they ultimately want. Um, if you're asking women who want to find themselves in a long-term uh, relationship, I think they would go with the respectful uh, gentleman as well. I don't know if anybody has any uh, thoughts on this. I'm just speaking as a woman, and I don't think that is uh, that is the case for most women or all women for sure. Uh, well, I know for sure effeminate and submissive men don't turn me on. However, having said that, if I like everything else about the person and we're very compatible otherwise, am I breaking my proper boundaries if I have a relationship with him nonetheless? Um, if Okay, so somebody who you meet somebody, they, everything about them you love except that you find them to be submissive and you find them to be feminine. Over time, like you say that doesn't turn you on. If it turns you off, I don't think it's fair to be in a relationship with someone who that you can't give your all to, to some degree, especially if there are things about them that completely turn you off. Um, it's not about breaking your boundaries. It's about, there's more to boundaries than this. Like a, a, you can have set boundaries like I... Uh, you know, I value health, therefore I won't go out with a smoker. That's a no-go zone, like non-negotiable. And then there are people, like just how does a person make you feel? Um, 
so that's not a, a boundary thing, but I worry about this when, um, what happens in, in the bedroom? You're compatible. So values wise, you might be compatible, but where's, are you compatible romantically? Are there things that do turn you on? So if you focus on the fact that your partner is more submissive than dominant, uh, and this eventually turns you off, well, that's not helping him or you in the end. I like this. Texter says, I'll take a gentleman over a brute any day. I'm with you on that. Absolutely. Uh, hi, I love your show. Thank you. Would you ca- comment on the different types of attachment styles people exhibit? For example, anxious attachment, detached attachment, etc. Thanks uh, so much. So attachment styles uh, is uh, it's actually something I, I studied in my doctoral uh, dissertation. Attachment styles have a lot to do with how we relate in adulthood. And what that means is how how were you attached to your primary caregivers? Um, somebody who uh, is insecurely attached, or let me start with a secure attachment. So somebody who's securely attached is someone whose needs were met. So their needs were met by their parents. When they cried, the parents uh, or a parent responded to their needs. Um, they uh, they were able to uh, know that their parents were coming back. When they would leave, let's say, with the, with the sitter, they uh, would be able to play independently, feeling safe that the parent uh, was around. Um, somebody whose uh, parents may have abandoned them. Now, abandon them is maybe a strong word, but through neglect, through alcoholism, through just not being available, that person can develop what's called an an anxious attachment style. So it's about developing trust. People who are, who grow up with secure attachments, trust in it, it. It's easier for them to trust. So, um, They get less into, uh, let's say, dysfunctional relationships. I mean, it's very, it's a complex theory. It's a theory by John Bowlby and it goes, it it can go quite in depth. But if you're interested about this, there's a, a fabulous book that I recommend to many of my clients to understand a little bit better when they're in a relationship, how they respond, what their attachment style is, and what the attachment style of their partner is, and to see how that dance happens. Uh, It's a book called Attached. Right now, I don't have the the name of the author in my head, but uh, the book is called Attached. You can find it on Amazon, and it's an excellent resource for just for everybody uh, to read about this and you, you will see the impact of your early childhood and the relationships you had in your early childhood and how this kind of dictates or sets, uh, sets a pattern for you in your, uh, relationships in adulthood. So, uh, it, it's, it's really very interesting stuff. Um, how do you get a girl to notice you? 18-year-old range, so I'm assuming you're also in that year-old range, or I'm just making that assumption, or are you a much older person who wants a girl in her 18-year-old range? I don't know. So let me assume that you're a young, a gentleman, a young gentleman who wants a girl to notice you. Uh, maybe people can respond to that. How do you get a girl to notice you? I can give you a few things that uh, I think, um, first of all, uh, showing confidence, um, your body language, 
being open, uh, putting yourself out there. So it's not about making, finding something that they're going to zero in on you, but how about taking the risk and maybe speaking to her, uh, approaching somebody, uh, to see, to, to be able to converse with them. So learning conversational skills is important, but take the risk and approach the person that, that you may be, uh, interested in. Oh, here's a really interesting question. <laughs> um, let's see, does anybody, I hope you guys have something to say about this. I'm not sure I have much to say, but how do people deal with gas in the bedroom? At first I read that and I said, gas, what are you talking about? I recently started eating better and I eat a lot of beans and chickpeas, but it gives me a lot of stinky gas. Is this something people often deal with when dating or in relationships? What do you think folks? Do you deal with a partner who passes gas, stinky gas in or out of the bedroom? How do you cope with that? Well, usually my recommendation would be rather than stink up the bed and under the covers, which is not pleasant for anybody, frankly, is get up, go to the bathroom, pass your gas and come back. Uh, if you can do that. So what happens while you're fast asleep though, I think is not your, you're not really responsible for, well, unless you do something bad, but I'm talking about in terms of passing gas. So anybody else have thoughts on that? How do you deal with a partner who has stinky gas? Um, on the, on the comment, there's a comment on, uh, the person who wrote in about profiles that are never what they seem. The person misrepresents this person says, this is why I like Snapchat. The pics look nice. This is why I disliked Snapchat. The pics look nothing like the person. Yeah. All those filters on everything. It just, it softens everybody. No wrinkles. Uh, like you look like 15 years younger. Like they do not, they are not real. To me, you need to show yourself real. And if somebody wants you as you are, then that's who it should be. Um, Another one says, if you pretend to look hot, you might miss out on a nice guy who adores a simple woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So my boyfriend, he very much likes to watch me sleep, uh, said it actually turns him on. What do you make of this? Is it, is it a little weird? Uh, I, to me, this is akin to loving to watch a baby sleep. When you have a baby and sometimes they're sleeping, you just look at them like in amazement. And so maybe this is something that, I don't know, it's his love for you, uh, um, what, what turns him on about it? Does it, is the turn on the fact that you're fast asleep and helpless or does he like your angelic face while you're sleeping? I don't know. Ask him, what is it about my sleeping that you like? So ask for, uh, some, uh, specifics. <laughs> <laughs> this text writes, what a question this is about the gas while well, I'm in the midst of making chili. Yeah. Happy gas. <laughs> uh, a lot of women are attracted to the edgy bad boy, but ends up wanting the treatment of the nice guy. I personally like Parisian men because they are more charming and classy and offer more respect in my experience. 
uh, yeah, and they the and Parisian men can also be bad boys, as can be anybody. So making big generalizations, even culturally based, I wouldn't even uh, go there because I've seen it all, really. <laughs> My wife has been passing gas since the day I met her, and I don't care, except she does blame it on the kids often. <laughs> oh, here's another one: peppermint tea. It's supposed to be a good remedy for flatulence. Okay, so with your beans and chili, make sure you have your peppermint tea before uh, you go to bed. Uh, for getting an 18-year-old to notice you, you will have to go online because most of the younger generation constantly has a phone up to their face. That's a really good point. They may not notice anybody, anybody. Uh, so, uh, get, get yourself on some apps maybe is the way to go. Although, you know, you gotta have some times when you're not hooked to your phone. Just seems crazy. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk. It's all inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Your questions answered tonight, all night long. Well, till 11 p.m. 514 800 to text in questions or comments. Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. I recently turned 60 and recently have been feeling uh, lethargic, have gained some weight, and especially have noticed the infrequency of spontaneous erections, especially upon waking. Could this be andropause and a lack of testosterone? So andropause is the word we use to talk about um, the male menopause, but menopause can't use that word because meno is the, the menses, so men don't have periods. So there's a term called uh, andropause and other terms around, around that. But generally speaking, that's what's understood, and it's about having low testosterone. Um, so... Many of the, the, the most common symptoms of men who are going through andropause include a lowered sex drive, yes, difficulties getting erections or erections that aren't as strong as usual, uh, lack of morning erections also, lack of energy, depression, uh, irritability and, and mood swings, um, a loss of muscle mass, Increased body fat, and some men even have uh, hot flashes uh, like women do. So those are all um, are all symptoms that could indicate that you have uh, lower testosterone. So the best thing to do uh, would be to go to your doctor who will uh, get some blood work done on you and make sure they check your your uh, overall testosterone level and also your bioavailable testosterone because it's split into, uh, there's different kinds of testosterone. There's a certain amount that is that has to do with sex drive and, and things like that, and then there's the rest of it. So you can ask for a bioavailable uh, testosterone test um, and see if that's going on. If you're well below uh, normal, they may give you uh, testosterone replacement therapy to help you. Uh, it's interesting because oftentimes 
the symptoms mimic the symptoms of depression. So some people think that they're just going through midlife crisis or depression, but if you're over 60 and you're noticing, uh, especially the lethargy and the, the lack of energy that you have, uh, and you see other symptoms, especially related to your sexuality, then it might very well be a low testosterone or a case of andropause. All men don't go through andropause. All women go through menopause, but not all men will exhibit these symptoms. So that's what's uh, also very uh, interesting. So male sexuality or male uh, hormones, although testosterone starts to decrease quite early, it's very, 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 very slow. Whereas with women is very drastic, um, not so slow. Uh, for the gas question, definitely agree with you. Get up, go to the bathroom, especially if someone is in your bed. Yeah, yes. Uh, I did find out the name of the author for Attached, which uh, is a great book. It's called Attached, the New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. It's a fantastic book uh, by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. So you can find it. Uh, there's a Kindle edition and a paperback edition. Just check it on Amazon. It will be right there for you. So look up uh, Attached. Excellent, excellent book. Um, okay. Hi, Dr. Larry. About the gas, there are pills for that. I don't know which company who makes them. There's Beano. I, that's the one that comes to mind or what they are called, but for sure they exist. You should talk to your doctor because you're not the only one in this situation. No, you're not. Speak to all the vegetarians and vegans out there. Sometimes it can take a while for your body to adjust to that. And also you, you're, you've completely changed your eating habits. So they, your stomach is uh, struggling with that a little bit, but um, my guess is if you keep it up, it will probably uh, settle down as your body kind of gets used to all the legumes that you're eating and stuff. My my wife calls it the Dutch oven when she farts in the bed. Yeah, but nobody wants to have their head in that oven. Sorry, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, 514-800, some of your thoughts. How do you deal with uh, flatulence in your bedroom, in your relationship? It's such a good question. Nobody ever talks. It's like such a taboo thing. Everybody does it. I mean, everybody farts. It's just it's, it, nobody wants to talk about it. Um, but if you want to, we can. Uh, all right, I'm 21 and I have a three-year-old. Ever since I had my son, I can't do a lot of things like trampoline, uh, horseback riding, hard exercise because I will leak, but it's more than a leak. I've asked my doctor and she states it happens after you have kids just to do kegels. I read some uh, Q&As saying there's more to do. I'm going to try those, but there, but where would I find a pelvic floor uh, doctor in my area, what else can I do? So you're absolutely right that, uh, first of all, it is quite common to experience some bladder uh, leakage after giving birth. And this is, this has to do with um, the weakness in your pelvic floor. So uh, you're absolutely right. A pelvic floor physiotherapist would be a really, really good option. Uh, but, but uh, having said that, I would also want to get uh, referral to, for you to see a urologist to make sure that nothing is really big, 
physically wrong with you. There's nothing needs to be uh, repaired. That's something. So uh, it wouldn't hurt to start with a physiotherapist, maybe while you're waiting also, because a good pelvic floor physiotherapist could also uh, diagnose it and see what is going on. Uh, So to find one in your area, I would call any uh, physiotherapy clinic and ask them, do you have a specialist in pelvic floor physiotherapy? There aren't tons everywhere, but it is a growing field and more and more people are getting trained in this area. Uh, I know that in Montreal, for example, the clinic that I work with, uh, Capino Physio and Wellness Center, uh, they have pelvic floor physiotherapists on hand, uh, and uh, there are other clinics in and around Montreal as well. So I'm not sure where you're writing me from, but um, you can always just check that. Um, apparently, the yoga child pose helps release gas. Well, you, you, okay, but where are you going to do that? You don't want to do that in bed. Again, when you feel that you have to pass gas, you should go to the bathroom. Passing gas on purpose is disgusting. Yeah, I, I go to the bathroom. I agree. Although I have to say, in, in many relationships, you get very comfortable, and if it doesn't bother anybody, I suppose it's okay. Uh, but it, you know, it's not the most uh, appealing thing to do, right? <laughs> Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Your questions answered tonight uh, and your comments. Uh, One commenter said, uh, for the gas, light a match for quick expulsion of odor. You're so right. People don't uh, realize that, but if you light a match, I actually have a a big box with matches in it in my bathroom, and it it has a thing on it that says... uh, uh, made a poo, light a match. And when you, the sulfur just t- takes away all smell. So have matches handy and light your match. Just don't light it anywhere <laughs> near the site of explosion. <laughs> um, but absolutely. Uh, let's see. Um, here, not sure if this is on topic tonight. However, as you know, tomorrow is Bell Let's Talk. Uh, I'd recommend a National Alliance on Mental Illness 10-week course at Friends for Mental Health in Beaconsfield. It helps to understand how the illness works and not just telling the loved one to snap out of it. Uh, Actually, you're absolutely right. That's the worst thing you want to tell somebody who has a mental illness is just snap out of it. Often people who say that, um, they don't quite understand uh, what mental illness is actually about. Um, any, (laughs) a text writes, any good gay top will pump in a decent amount of air. We expect it. So you expect the gas. So it's okay. All right. Okay. Um, hi, Dr. Lori. These are all, these are all my emails coming up one after the other. When I met my girlfriend, the first time we slept together, I found out she is very flatulent. A few times I was going to wake her up and mentioning it. But then I said I might offend her, so I kept quiet. And over time, I just got used to it. Well, see, everybody has to deal with it. That's the interesting thing about flatulence is we all deal with it in some way or another. Um, Incense works just as well. Yes, incense sometimes is quite powerful. 
Um, but yes, you can, uh, you can light that. Um, Laura, you never answered my question several nights ago regarding whether or not you and your tech guests had a chance to view the film IT. I did not with Pierce Brosnan. Uh, I looked for it on, uh, I looked for it on Netflix, Prime, and, um, crave and I couldn't find it anywhere so I have not not been able to see it uh, I don't think anyone passes gas on purpose unless they are immature luckily I live alone so no one else has to smell it but I brought up the topic as someone who is interested in getting back into the dating world as a more healthy me oh you brought up the topic okay um right well uh you know you you'll have to um figure out ways right excuse yourself go to the bathroom do what you uh do what you got to do, but it's a good thing that you're going to be a healthy you. And if you happen to, uh, you sound like you're in on a plant-based diet or eating more plant-based stuff, then maybe you'll go out with someone else who has the same kind of diet as you. And then, uh, it might be something you can, uh, laugh about or something. Uh, when I was about 14 or 15, me and my girlfriend tried to have sex, emphasis on tried, and then we heard about pre-cum, and then she missed her period. For almost three weeks, and believe it or not, I prayed to God, I swore to him that I would never ever have sex again or try to without a condom. Guess how long that lasted? I don't know. How long did that last? Uh, speaking of pre-cum, I'm a 20-year-old male. I was recently reading on a health-related website that pre-cum is a healthy thing as it cleans and clears up the way for sperm to ejaculate. My concern was that I've never pre-cummed, never. I've never leaked, neither. I ever get pre-cum even when I'm turned on or erect, though when I masturbate, I ejaculate fine, but I never pre-cum. Since I read that it's a healthy process, I've been concerned about it since I don't. I wanted to know if this is something bad and if I should be worried. Um... No, you should not be worried. Uh, some men have a lot of pre-ejaculate or lubrication, really what it is. It's like the equivalent to the female lubrication. And others uh, just don't, ha they may have some, but it's not noticeable at all. So it's one thing that's healthy is for a man to ejaculate, period. That is healthy. There have been studies done on frequency of ejaculations and in, in the younger years and uh, a protective, it being a protective factor for later prostate health. So there is a relationship with that, but it is not unhealthy to not have pre-cum. Can you say that? Is that good English? I don't even know. Um, so because you don't have it does not indicate that you're unhealthy in any way is what I want to get to. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, another question about first time. I was dating this girl that I really liked for a couple of months, and we talked about it and finally decided to have sex. It was my first time, but she had more experience. I had to sneak out and go to her place. I was really excited slash nervous and didn't know what to do. It was really awkward, and to be honest, I didn't even come. I felt really bad, and she blamed herself, and we got in some fights and eventually broke up. I would really appreciate it if you had any advice at all. Uh, it's really, that's too bad that this is what caused your breakup because, uh, in a, in somebody who knows or has some knowledge about sexuality or some maturity around that, they would know that it's perfectly normal to be nervous. Uh, forget about it being the first time. That's certainly enough cause to 
cause either uh, erectile dysfunction or not being able to ejaculate. But even if it's just simply with a new person, so the nervousness can result in coming too fast, losing an erection or not coming at all. That's the, the reality. And it has nothing to do not with how you feel about your partner, not even how aroused you are by their partner, not even anything to do with their, uh, technique. So you shouldn't feel bad, uh, and you shouldn't blame yourself. You just, this is, it's, and she shouldn't blame herself. It's one of those very common occurrences that I would have to say most men experience at some point in their lives. So next time you get involved with someone sexually, let them know, let them know that you're a bit nervous and that this has happened that when you're nervous that you don't ejaculate, just let them know this is not about them. Uh, there's also no shame in admitting that you have not had a whole lot of experience, but that you are eager to please and, and, and you're open to learning. Uh, how could anybody fault that? Right. Uh, ask the girl, the next one, um, how she likes to be pleasured because it's different for every person and focus on that. Focus on, uh, pleasing your partner, pleasuring your partner and being patient with yourself and not putting too much pressure on yourself. Remember that becoming a good lover takes time and it, it takes attentiveness to your partner and their needs as well. Um, <laughs> never, 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 ever tell somebody that you can't blow your load. Are you kidding me? What, what is that? Well, why not? Why not tell, letting them know that you're nervous and that this is the result of being nervous. I would rather find that out than, uh, be left with what did I do wrong? So you'd be eliminating that whole thing. Um, Let's see, I've done that, the plant-based diet and you only have gas for the first two to three weeks and it's a healthy sign as your digestive system improves and reverts to its normal and healthy state. You're right, I've been on a plant-based diet for uh, close to two years now, I think, and don't have that problem. It, it, your, your system does regulate and adjusts to uh, a new way of eating, absolutely. Yeah, lots of questions about flatulence. That was a really, uh, sometimes we come up with themes and people like to respond to that. And I guess it's one of those issues that uh, everybody seems to be dealing with. Don't forget that tomorrow is Bell Let's Talk Day, a very, very important day for mental health awareness. Uh, every show on CJD will be uh, talking about it to, to some uh, degree, as will we on Passion tomorrow night. So tomorrow night I've got a panel of therapists and I have a coach and an author uh, who wrote an interesting book dealing with uh, mental illness as well. So we're going to be there to help you out and to talk about uh, the impact of mental illness on your relationship, on your partner, on your family, and anything else that you want to bring up. So we will have a whole panel available for you tomorrow night. So just don't forget that tomorrow, uh, every text, uh, tweet, uh, everything that you do, uh, hashtag Bell Let's Talk, and all your texts that Bell uh, gives five cents towards mental health awareness. So it's a, a fabulous, fabulous 
initiative. I'm very proud to be a part of that family to do that. Thank you all for your questions. Uh, if you have other questions, I will answer them tomorrow night. No problem. Just uh, send them along. Uh, thank you very much for spending this time with me. And thanks to Brian Kalisar, our technical producer. Connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito, B-E-T-I-T-O is how you spell my last name, or just go to my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion. And there's nowhere left to go.